Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. I'm your host, Monica Cox, along with Sarah Clark, and we're here to support, inspire, and educate those who are all consumed with the label of infertility. We totally know how you're feeling. Both Sarah and I were diagnosed with a form of infertility before we hit our 30s. We let the fertility experts dictate our past and ignored what our bodies were trying to tell us for far too long. So here we are, helping you take control of your infertile diagnosis. So today we're going to take you back to our childhoods because that's kind of really where it all starts, right? <laughs> um, we both grew up pretty normal, healthy, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think for me there was any like outstanding childhood trauma. Um, I know that I had a lot of sinus issues. I had my tonsils out, like probably... 80% of <laughs> the world does when they're kids. And, but it was really reoccurring. And, and now in hindsight, mm-hmm. that's always my go-to. Even now when I'm super stressed out, my throat acts up. And that's when I know I've started to overdo things. Um, yeah, diet-wise, I was a typical, normal, lunchable, Pop-Tart, Sneaking sugar on Kellogg's cornflakes, um, yeah, just normal. That and that was normal back in those days, right? And to a certain extent, it's kind of still normal for most kids. I think you grew up a little bit more healthier than I did. Yeah, my mom was. Uh, also, my parents have been vegans for thirty years. I remember her like in the early what was that early nineties going to the grocery store with her string bag, and I'm like, oh my god, you're so embarrassing. What are you doing? And you know, eating vegan, like being vegan, telling you know, I ate nothing with the face, and and so so growing up, my parents were so it was more vegetarian. I remember when I was in I was twelve, my mom would send sent me off to school with pea soup, um, a pita like a pita with alfalfa sprout like this is back in the day people were like what are you eating with sardine like a sardine sandwich and sardine stuffed inside the pita bread with alfalfa sprouts like and I everyone's like and my friend would come with a honey sandwich and chef boyardee I'm like oh my god I just want to eat that and I go to her house going oh my god she's got chef boyardee and and you know uh craft dinner all this stuff I'm like oh this is so great um and so embarrassed by my smelly lunch but, and, and then, you know, I left the house and I started eating some of those other, you know, standard American diet, but I had like a super healthy diet. And, um, I thank my mom for introducing me to that food. And I eventually circled back to it, you know, many years later after making fun of her, but yeah, I was a healthy kid. I maybe had the odd stomach ache, which they thought was maybe anxiety or worry, um, but I didn't really consider myself an anxious or worrying type of person. I remember though I had some stomach issues, but really like really great health, like no, no issues until, you know, the POF <laughs> hit me at 28 and it slapped me right in the face. But, but in the early twenties, some of those, those, those health issues start, started going on, but really, um, I guess the only thing I could say that once so my dad was a, a chemist and he 
had, so he had a chemical company. He manufactured dish detergents and laundry detergents and he had, and also pool chemicals. So in, in my teenage years, I, my first job was cleaning the toilets at this chemical factory. Um, it's kind of gross, like cleaning <laughs> the toilets there. And then also, um, and then you know, working, selling the pool chemicals. So in hindsight, inhaling all of those chemicals. And then also we lived in a cedar house in a forest um, that had a lot of infestation of carpenter ants. And so it was always being, being sprayed. You know, my dog passed away when she was 10 of cancer. Um, my brother has blood cancer now and I had infertility. So it was the fact that I worked for years, like 10 plus years in a chemical fat, in a chemical plant um, was the fact that I, our house was regularly sprayed with toxins that were killing these little pests and we were inhaling that we would leave the house and then, you know, we'd leave the house and then come back in and we were inhaling them. So did that set off something in me and in, in the environment? Mm. And, and at that point, my mom was, you know, she would be cleaning everything with vinegar. Like she was like crunch, crunchy granola kind of back then. And now, you know, I've sort of turned that way now, not completely crunchy granola, but, but definitely look, you know, I've made a lot of changes to my, to my cleaning and personal care. But um, back then just looking at those sort of things and going, oh, wait, did that, was that environmental load, that toxic load, was it too much for me during those years? And did then, there was like that tipping point. And yeah, me, it's that fertility. It's looking back at your past and thinking, okay, what was going on that was pushing me towards my diagnosis? You know, uh, obviously we're born with our genetics, you're genetic, genetically you know, exposed to certain things that you can't change, but it definitely gets on and off, right? You get these switches on and off and yeah, it's really important to look back at your childhood and go, what was I doing? What was my parents not doing? (laughs) Or what were they doing around me that you just didn't know was having an effect on your body? Because I think our bodies are so resilient for the most part. You know, many of us just don't know we have an issue until it comes time to start trying for kids. And because we can't get pregnant naturally, we now think there's an issue where there was probably issues way before and we just weren't noticing them. You know, so like you said, in your early 20s, you had all these issues, but you weren't you know, obviously you're not going to be hyper-focused on your fertility in your early 20s. You're trying to not get pregnant. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I had never even babysat or done anything. Everyone thought I was going to be a horrible mother because I didn't even, I saw a child and I ran the other way. I was scared of them. But, <laughs> but yeah, but even, and, and my mom was, so my mom was adopted. And so, um, and then she, she, so and she found her birth parents years, years later, but, um, but even with, with that piece being adopted and then um, affecting, you know, how was, how was the health of her and her, her brother? And her brother ended up having, uh, my uncle had um, um, cancer in his early 40s. My mom didn't really have any health issues, just, just, just rosacea, which that can be a clue too. But yeah, so the health of, you know, your mom and then your health and stuff like that. So it's all, all linked. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you know, we won't get too much into epigenetics. This will be another, you know, episode, but you, um, you are created in your grandmother's womb. Yeah. 
to what your grandmother was exposed to and being exposed to during your mother's pregnancy has an effect on you. And then obviously, you know, it goes on what, you know, what your mother's doing, what's going on with her. Um, I know for me, um, I kind of always had a little bit of an inclination that I wasn't going to get pregnant naturally. I didn't, it wasn't because I physically felt it, but my, my mom is one of nine. She's number six. And my grandma had nine kids in 11 years, no twins. So my mom's an Irish twin. So, and she suffered with a lot of health issues and she ended up getting, um, well, hormonal health issues. And she ended up getting a hysterectomy at 32. She was very lucky. And I have my mother's permission to say this, that she got knocked up by my father when she was in her 20s (laughs) Um, and had her kids really young when she was, you know, most fertile. Um, But when she had her hysterectomy, they were just like, we don't know how you got pregnant. You have one ovary, you have one fallopian tube, you are pretty much a mess down there. And, um, you know, in hindsight, especially back in the 70s and 80s, they knew nothing about what was going down there. And they brushed her aside a lot with her complaints and just said, you're a woman, get over it. You know, probably how a lot of people with endometriosis feel or even polycystic ovaries, you know, were just getting pushed to a side and saying, it's normal to have period your painful periods. Um, but yeah, just um, looking back at your family line, your history um, of what was going on um, is really key. And looking back at how you grew up and what you ate, I am a hundred percent sure that my lifestyle as a kid, the way I ate had a huge effect. You know, I look back at the ingredients of Lunchables and, you know, we had those daily and that was just one um, meal, you know, and I continued on in my twenties the same way. I stopped eating Lunchables, but I just replaced it with (laughs) other more grown up crap. Um, And it, I don't know if I, so now I'm allergic to, well, allergic. I have a um, a sensitivity to nightshades, especially paprika and tomatoes. And I always wonder if I've always been that way from a young kid or if I entered, you know, it became that way because I just kept hammering and hammering and hammering my system. And eventually it just went, boom, that's it. I'm done. And what happened with me is, um, you know, I had leaky gut. And this will be for another episode and we'll get into all that. But um, my body was attacking embryos and I, it was so bad. I wasn't even getting pregnant, not once, not even a glimmer, not even a faint pink line. And um, it was just mind boggling because back then, you know, back, uh, let's say five years ago, no one was talking about that. No one was talking about NK cells. No one was making those links. And now I think it is more regular, you know, um, people are getting those tests done, which is great. But, um, you know, their, their cure was immune suppressing drugs. Let's put you on more drugs that are basically going to, you know, make your situation worse. Um, yeah, you'll get pregnant, which I did. Um, but it wasn't solving my issue. You know, I was still having health complaints and um, doing the hard work on the diet and lifestyle, you know, change things up. Um, so yeah, that's um, really important to look at, isn't it? You know, don't ever underestimate any kind of small health issue, whether it's chronic, whether it is affecting your life day to day, or if it's just something a little niggly, 
you just get on with it. You suck it up, you know, like IBS. <laughs> um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Like I, for me, I had acne. So why all of a sudden in my early twenties did like when I had great skin, did was acne coming along and it was, you know, and it, that's the direct, you know, representation of your, it's a reflection of your gut, your, 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 your skin and gut health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why? And so, and so that, that was a huge clue for me. And then I had that, that fungal rash on my chest. Well, was there some sort of fungal overgrowth going on in me? And then I remember having all of a sudden getting like warts on my feet. I'm like, and it's so funny. It's so weird because I had a really good girlfriend um, in my early twenties and we were in university together and she, somehow I got a wart from her. And, and anyway, she's been like diagnosed with celiac disease, like just in the last little while. I'm like, and, and she had restless leg syndrome and a bunch of other weird things, like low iron. Her iron was like, she was redhead and super like fair. And, and then like so pale and years later, celiac disease. And then here's me with, I don't have celiac disease, but I'm like super sensitive to, to gluten. So non, non-gluten, um, non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So for me, it's, it's not good. And it's kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting that we were both friends. And um, so we were you know, transferring these warts back and forth. I think our immune system was so, it was so low. And I remember, uh, yeah, so it was acne. I had that fungal rash and those yeast infections. Like this was, these were, these were, they went on for years. Yeah. And we just don't link them, do we? We have. No, I thought it was normal. normal. I thought it was normal that I had to have wear a pad like freaking all the time. I didn't know what the hell this was. And like in my early, and then kind of in my late teens, my period got really heavy. And I remember like, I would almost literally, it would come and I'd almost faint because of all the blood. Like I would be like, Ooh, I, like a bunch of times I did faint. Yeah. And, um, again, those are like clues, but I was so disconnected from any of this. And looking back, you can kind of reflect on it. But I think, you know, being able to share our stories and people kind of, hopefully someone's kind of like, Oh wait, I had that. You know, is that connected? I had, like vertigo yeah we're like sitting in my office going why is the freaking room tilting (laughs) what the hell i had to like walk out of there and i just come back from a cruise and i had just eaten like a maniac on this cruise and then so i don't know if it was all the sugar or whatever the heck it was like it had just fired up i'm assuming like because i for me this this candida thing has been around for a while the fungal thing and it had fired it up and i was it, it presented in you know, I had a horrible dandruff. Like, if you've got dandruff, like, like that is, you know, going head and shoulders. It's like, um, yeah, like. But it's presented normal, right? We have commercials you know, just bombarding so us. Like, I like, oh, he's, like, dusting off my shoulders. I couldn't wear black. And I'm like, what the frig? What is wrong with my hat, my scalp? Like, this is, this is nuts. So it's, it's, um, I don't know. Like, there's these you know, we could attack, we could attack each thing with creams and potions yeah. and lotions, where instead of saying, wait, my body's like, like she's yelling, going, right. Sarah, what are you doing? And I was marching along and I was looking the other direction. I had no I'm clue. laughing with you, not at you. you yeah, know? No, totally. Yeah. And I, um, right, probably three years in, and it was right around probably my first IVF, um, I got sick and I got tonsillitis, which is ironic because I don't have tonsils, but we were living in York and York's notorious. It's kind of surrounded by valleys. So you get this low fog and, you know, a lot of people get a lot of, you know, respiratory issues because of um, the environment. 
And I mean, I was still drinking, eating like shit and um, working hard and pushing myself. So I got tonsillitis. And the next year I went to the doctors with tonsillitis again, and he was writing my um, antibiotic prescription. And he went, you know, this is, you came into my office the exact day last year. And I was like, laughing. I was like, oh, that's pretty funny. I get sick. And it's just kind of like, why didn't I at that moment go, what's going on? Why do I have tonsillitis yet again? And, you know, a year later, that's insane. And yeah, we laugh at ourselves and you just push away all those kind of symptoms that's going on in your body and they just build up. They keep going. If you're not addressing them, and like you say, sometimes you feel better and then sometimes you get these flares and then you feel better. And until you really attack the root cause of what's going on, you're always going to be bobbing up and down with feeling better and not feeling better. And a lot of times with people with with uh, infertility, people that I work with, people aren't really feeling sick. Like it's not a sick population, but it's but sometimes you don't know how great you can. Like I wouldn't have said I was sick back then when I had yeah. chronic, chronic, all those chronic issues. I was still going to work. I was still doing my thing. But um, so if you've got these things going on, it's kind of to be like to step back and say okay, you know, you know, why is this happening? And really kind of like dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're right. You don't look at it. Um, you're only sick when you don't go to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, this, um, this episode is really all about just do not underestimate any issue big or small that you are having constantly, whether it's once a month or twice a month or once a year, um, you know, really look into what's going on and is this having an impact on your fertility, whether it's, you know, the health of your eggs or your sperm and this, you know, what we're talking about, um, I, obviously we're going to be focusing on us and women, but it, it goes to the male as well. You know, if they're having chronic health issues and you're not getting pregnant, let's say you've been checked out and you're fine and you're still not getting pregnant, but your husband's sick, it's time to go get a sperm test, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it takes two to tango. And now like stats were 60, 40, 60 for the, for, for female infertility, 40 for male. And now it's turning to 50, 50 because we're in the middle of a huge you know, food experiment with our, you know, food being sprayed with glyphosate, which is impacting both male, male and female for, uh, fertility. So there's, um, again, yeah, like I was talking to someone the other day where um, the man had, was, was on Accutane, he had acne in his teens, and then now struggling with, with um, male, male patch or infertility. And Accutane can impact the health of the gut. And why, why did he have and going on Accutane, you're, you're, you've got severe acne. So why, why is that the case? And, wh and what else is going on in the body? Yeah, exactly. And have a think back around your environment, or not even thinking back, like, yeah, definitely think back to what you were going through as a kid, especially what you did in your teenage years and your 20s. And then look about your environment, what's going on now. And don't underestimate, you know, I had a conversation with a woman and her and her husband own a rally car making business. And she wasn't making the links that being in the workshop five, six days a week could possibly be impacting her health, especially her fertility health and having that toxic overload, even though she was doing everything right. Otherwise, she had a great diet, she had a good mental health, and she still was having these big issues. It's like, 
well, there's your body's like whacking stick, right? Everyone's got one at least. Most people have five to 10, <laughs> depending on what's going on. So it's just super important not to underestimate any of those health issues and anything that's going around in your environment. Just don't brush it to one side. It might be your missing link. Absolutely. Yeah. In my early twenties, I was the opposite of you. Instead of having the Lunchables in my teen, my, as a kid, I had the Lunchables, the Joey Louis, the Shepard, all that stuff that I was like dying to have. I started eating that in my twenties and then look what it did to my health. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, um, it's insane. And that's a really good point is that you can be, um, you can reverse these things. You know, we talked about, there's a lot of things out there that don't have a cure yet but you can be doing things to reverse your issue and really help improve your situation. So yeah, really important. And I hope um, this podcast is really, you know, just giving you a little aha moment and maybe made a link to something that's going on in your life that you can think, yeah, maybe I should change that up or maybe that's my, you know, missing link. Definitely. Well, um, thank you very much, Sarah, for joining us again. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode of The Infertile Diagnosis. And we will see you next week. A few more things before you go. If you like what we're doing, please leave a review and or a rating. We would greatly appreciate it and it would totally help us out. Also, if you like to connect with either of us, you can find me, Monica, over at mymindfulme.com. And you can connect with Sarah over on fabfertile.com. All the links you need to find us on our websites or social media, any products we talk about, book, special offers, or any guests that we have on, you're going to find all that information in the show notes. So that's it. Thank you once again for being with us here on the Infertile Diagnosis and have a beautiful day.